Um, I think every business organization should be teaching it because when you learn how to communicate properly and have empathy, your business is going to go up. You're going to, your sales are going to go up. Well, that was my next question is what is the definition or like if to our listeners who don't quite understand what emotional intelligence is, can you define it or talk about it for Mm -hmm. a minute? Could you give some tips um, to the our listeners? Like, yeah. what can they start doing to start like flexing and start working that emotional intelligent intelligence muscle? I just think that's so beautiful. And for the listeners, I just really hope you really let that sink in because that is such um, self love and really protecting your energy. And um, it's, it's important. It's very important. And it's something that we all take for granted. The ultimate compliment is to be considered an asset by those who know you. But what exactly does that mean? And how do we get there? I believe that there is a less discussed approach to becoming a person of value, a person who is successful, respected by others and fulfilled. It's somewhere between the hustle culture and the ease and flow of manifestation. This podcast is designed to be a resource for the ambitious, the relentless, and the rare who are breaking societal norms, going against the grain, and are open to unconventional practices as we study what it takes to be a true asset in every area of life. My hope is that you'll find this podcast unique and like it enough to share it with a friend and maybe even one day join us at one of our in-person events. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? I'm so excited to have this guest on. I met this really wonderful woman at a Roger Up event. It's an event that her and I both spoke at last September. I'm honored to have her on the podcast. Inez, please tell everybody about yourself. Well, thank you so much for having me, Autumn. I mean, listen, when we first connected via Instagram, I believe, because we knew we were going to be on the um, speaking tour together, um, I was really excited. And you know what? We've been like sisters ever since. I know. Just, I mean, you know who I am, so let everybody else know. I am, I speak on emotional intelligence. I'm a speaker, uh, a lot about mindset shifts, overcoming your fears and, you know, past uh, negative mindsets. I, I lived, as you'll hear in my story, I lived in a victim mindset most of my adulthood until I learned about emotional intelligence and getting over childhood traumas. But in addition, I also write for Millennium Magazine, which is a celebrity. I'm a celebrity correspondent. It's a lifestyle entertainment magazine based out of New York City. Then I'm a mom with two awesome boys and my lovely husband, Lou. And, um, Inez, tell us, so she's an incredible speaker. I listened to you um, speak about emotional intelligence. Can you, can you take us back? Like, can we go back? Because, you know, you're, you're incredible today. And I want to, I want everybody to know what you're up to today, but like, where did you come from? Because you, you you know, from what I know of your story, it wasn't exactly easy. No, well, I mean, I don't think anybody had an easy background. The beginning of my childhood was pretty cool, um, up until probably like my my parents got divorced. Um, it's not your, um, it was a different divorce because my mother was the one that left us when I was thirteen. I was thirteen. My brother was ten. You know, my dad was just trying to figure out how to manage this, and he's got this teenage daughter, and who, and the way I. Kind of, I kind of went crazy. And I was getting involved with all the wrong kids, doing the bad things. And my brother, on the other hand, just basically locked himself up. And to this day, still is in that, you know, mindset of just like not exposing himself to any 
anything because they're afraid of getting hurt again. Um, so we obviously dealt with, you know, our pain in different ways. Um, as I grew up, you know, the, I, I dealt with that trauma. So like my mom came back and she left again. It was like this in and out process. And, you know, as a girl, you need your mother. And listen, this is no, no way to trash her because we've since, I've since forgiven and moved on, but it took, it took a long time to get to that point. Um, by the time I was 19, um, I was my freshman year in college. I ended up being a dropout because I had gotten pregnant with um, my boyfriend at the time. And, you know, then I decided based on his lifestyle, it was not very healthy. I didn't think it was a healthy and safe environment for my son to grow up in. And I look back and I think I'm like, wow, thank God I had that realization at 19. Now, because I, I, you know, he, he had lots of money. We had, we did really cool things, but he just, <laughs> I don't want to put it all out there, but he, he just wasn't a really legitimate guy. It's not something that, you know, was great for my, me to grow up in and my son. So I had to get out of that situation, which I did. And from there on, like I moved back home, I was on welfare. I, I had to like figure out what to do because back then all I felt focused on was my son and tr- trying to do my best to give him a good lifestyle. Mm. And but it was hard because you're 19 years old. You only know so much, right? <clears throat> eventually, uh, you know, as, as I grew up, I, I did go back to college eventually because I did get out of welfare. I only used it for a year, um, then got a job with benefits and whatnot. Then from there, eventually, like five years later, moved to New York City, went back, completed my degree um, at New York University, which was a big accomplishment for me because that was like my dream to always go to NYU. Um, and so... My son got to grow up with a lot of um, adults, which was cool for him. There are a lot of, you know, pretty girls <laughs> they got to grow up with. And, um, and so he was involved in a lot in my life, but also yes and no. But, you know, but then I was like also trying to figure out myself. I was in and out of like, I still wasn't in that proper mindset. I knew like I would read the books. I would, you know, know what to do. But the problem was I wasn't taking action enough action I do little baby things one step forward 10 steps back yeah where I found myself like because I was still I didn't know that I had to like heal from the trauma of my mom leaving me and all the pain that I went through so I had like a string of toxic relationships you know with men that just didn't deserve me I'd be chasing after guys that didn't deserve me and you know, I look back and it's kind of embarrassing. I'm like, oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> like, you know, I was like, what is wrong with you, girl? <laughs> like, why are you like this guy's a crap? He's, he's like terrible. Right. Yet I was chasing after that because I felt that's all I deserved. Mm. But eventually, um, fast forward, Joey was seven. I got to meet my husband. And I would love to say that it was just like, you know, night and shining arm, everything was wonderful and bliss and here on end. But no, there was still work to be done. It, you know, it took, we were dating five years before I agreed to marry him because I was like fearful of being in any type of like committed relationship like that, you know, even though we were together, but marriage was like a big thing to me. Um, and it was like, it was rough. It was rough in the beginning because there was a lot of adjustments. Again, still didn't heal from the trauma. So it was like constantly fighting over stupid things nothing because of what he did, because I was still holding on to this stuff. And then eventually, 
when um, Joey was 13. So we so it was like actually six years before I actually got married. Uh, we got married. Not even a year later, I got pregnant with Mateo. And then that's when everything was like, wow. Mm. I had a teenage boy who was jealous because now somebody else had his mom. It was one thing to date, but another thing to marry the man. Mm-hmm. And now we're bringing another child into this family. So he felt like an outcast. None of us knew how to deal with that. Mm. I didn't know. I was pregnant. Uh, Lou didn't know. He obviously didn't ever experience this. He just felt that every outlash that um, Joey had towards him was because he was the stepdad. And Joey obviously didn't have the mindset or the tools to deal with it. I ended up getting a full ride to Rowan University for my graduate degree. So I'm like, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. And then I was studying um, education, child psychology. And that's when I started really like, I'm like, oh, okay. Started learning about human behavior. I got obsessed with it. So I started getting into it to learn how to manage my emotions and then help Joey and Lou navigate and us, the three of us navigate through this. And while Joey was in high school, it was probably the hardest four years of my life because I was trying to learn all this and help them. But I don't want to like, no way to put them down, but it was like, they weren't really helping me because they didn't have the skill set or the tools. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to do it on my own. And, but I was seeing progress and it was hard. It was really, really hard, but it was working. And I was starting to learn about emotional intelligence without realizing the label. That's what it was called, emotional intelligence, you know, managing my emotions, other people's emotions, not lashing out so quickly, you know, learning to think, um, listening, listening to understand, learning how, um, how there's different perspectives in everything, communication skills, how to take care of myself mentally, physically. I mean, there's so much, my faith, my faith in God, um, all of that accumulates into emotional intelligence. And then eventually when Mateo got older, I met somebody who taught me what the term emotional intelligence was because that she was a speaker in that field. I took an accreditation course through her, found that I loved it and I healed so much. Like I was like, it was like so eye-opening to me. Like, oh my gosh, this is why I'm acting this way. This is why I feel this way. And I was able to start taking the steps to heal from my childhood. And I saw by me doing that, like learning how to forgive my mom, realizing she only knew what she knew back then. Like she wasn't out to purposely hurt us. Of course, her actions hurt my brother and I terribly. But I also learned that I was never going to hear the words I'm sorry from her. And that was okay because she still didn't know. Or doesn't she still doesn't know to this day? But it's okay because I know and I've learned to forgive. And then when I started healing myself, it ended up healing, making my marriage a lot stronger. Is that you know, made me and then Lou started learning how to heal himself from traumas that he went through, you know, because he, he went through a divorce when his when he was a teenager as well with his family. And from it just kind of like it was like a ripple effect. Then I started learning how to listen more to Joey and understand what where his pain was coming from. He ended up going to college and learning like 
oh my God, I have it so good. I really, even though I lose my stepdad, though he never calls him stepdad, here's this guy that came into my mother's life and just took me in and took care of my mom and took care of me. And there was really nothing to be jealous of because he, you know, we were a family unit to the point that he ended up writing Lou like this beautiful letter, like apologizing to him for the way he treated him for all those years, thanking him for taking care of his mother, thanking him for being a leader of our home or household. So I personally have seen so much benefits of emotional intelligence. Um, Joey, when he went, he did his master's degree at Cornell University. He's the first Ivy League grad, both of our families. Um, They required emotional intelligence as one of the courses. And I was really happy to hear that. I'm like, oh my God, give me the syllabus. Give me all your class. I want to see what they're teaching you. Yeah. Um, It's something that I try to push for in schools because I kind of feel like, why are we not teaching this to our children Mm -hmm. at a young age? I'm talking about like preschool. It it should be somehow implemented in there. Mm -hmm. Um, I think every business organization should be teaching it because when you learn how to communicate properly and have empathy, your business is going to go up. You're going to, your sales are going to go up. Well, that was my next question is what is the definition or like if to our listeners who don't quite understand what emotional intelligence is, can you yes. define it or talk about it for mm-hmm. a minute? Well, simply emotional intelligence is just learning how to manage your emotions and those of, of people around you. So, but that's just a very broad, you know, statement or definition rather. It involves learning communication skills, which is both verbal and nonverbal. It, it involves perspective training, which I've done with Mateo for the last seven years. He's a master at it. Um, it talks about learning how to, um, it, tools to have a positive mindset, tools to recognize your trauma. Like saying, if you are if you suddenly get upset over something, a lot of times it has nothing to do with that moment. It has to do with something that affected you in the past, which is a big eye-opener for me because it's really helped me so much. Um, you know, relationship building is so, so, so important. We were just talking about this. You know, so many businesses, they just think of the bottom line, you know, right. and your bottom line could be like so much higher if you learn how to actually build relationships. I mean, it's sad that when I go travel or go to a restaurant or somewhere and somebody gives me good service that I'm surprised. Like mm-hmm. it's not the norm anymore. No, it <laughs> is not. Everybody's like bitter and angry. And I, like, I'm not used to it. I went to the... I was at the airport in South Carolina uh, a couple of weeks ago coming home. Everybody was so sweet and pleasant and striking up conversations with me. I went to the Chick-fil-A in the airport and I got in a conversation with a girl and all I got was a nice tea. And she's like, here, it's on me. And I'm like, huh? And she's like, no, no, I enjoy talking to you. Have the iced tea. Like, you know, and it's like people that I love that experience that everybody was kind of like wanting to get to know each other yeah, and very sure. friendly. But it's so rare. And, I'm, rare. you know, but imagine if like businesses actually learn how to do this and practice this, how much more successful they would be. My my husband is a financial advisor. He has his own firm. He is so successful, not because he's so much smarter than anybody. Like, yeah, he knows his business inside out, but he legitimately cares about every single one of his clients, mm-hmm. everyone. Like, you know, he reaches out to them on their birthdays or, you know, special events or unfortunately during deaths and stuff like that. But, and he has events every year for his clients to bring them all together and just as a thank you for trusting him. Mm-hmm. Um and he's really good at building relationships. And that's why he's so successful because other people will say, hey, you really want to work with him because he actually cares about you and not just the bottom line. 
It's important. And, you know, in, I just think it relates to so much, right? So we have like a lot of uh, first responders that listen to this podcast. And I just think, you know, us women, we tend to have, we tend to have a little bit more emotional intelligence than yeah. men naturally. But I think the culture, I can only speak for law enforcement, but I think for first responders in general, mm-hmm. my assumption is going to be from based on my knowledge as a law enforcement officer, um, the, the culture does not perpetuate emotional intelligence at all. It is straight to the point, bottom line. But, but what I love about what you are, you know, offering for information um, is that actually this is so, this could be so effective for if, if law enforcement officers took emotional yeah. intelligence training, think of, you know, think of the relationships that would be built. Think of all of the use of force situations that would just be mitigated because yeah we're just chatting and, and, and I actually care. And like, you know, as an officer, like I care and I want to see you be better in this and that, and we're developing relationships and stuff like you said, and being able to, like you said, empathize, get on that level with somebody it's, it's huge. So I'm going to ask you, I have a question and then I want to go back because I have more questions (laughs) about the early part, but I would like to ask you, since we're on this subject, Inez, could you give some tips um, to the, our listeners, like what can they start doing to start like flexing and start working that emotional intelligent intelligence muscle? Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'm hope you're enjoying it and getting some good stuff, mind shifting things from this. I just wanted to remind you super quick that if we are not hanging out on social media, we should be, you should come hang out with me. Um, I am the Autumn Clifford on Instagram. I'm Autumn Clifford on TikTok. And I have a Facebook group called She's an Asset. Love to have you there. Love to hang out with you and get to know you. Thank you so much for supporting my show. Let's continue. Well, the way I started was, first of all, finding a mentor on it. Okay. And there are, there are many great mentors out there. You can find them online, you know, whether it's YouTube or Instagram, stuff like that. But more importantly, too, like first read, like I, the book I started, it actually wasn't an emotional intelligence book. The first book I read to get me on this path is called Lovability by Robert Holden. Really, really great book. Um, And talking about like, you know, how to love and be loved and forgiveness. And that was my first step. That was like my aha moment reading that book. And then there's other really, if you think about it, there's like all these other great books on like seven habits of highly effective people that's been around forever, but it's still under the premise of emotional intelligence. So like you start there and then you just start finding, and there are, I mean, if you look, there are community of people that are involved in it. Um, Get involved with different, like I go to a lot of networking events and I do that where I'm constantly trying to, growing up, I was like this super, extremely shy introvert. I did everything possible to get attention away from me. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. And the fact that I can speak now on a stage and be comfortable with it is like incredible. But it's so one of those things I did was like finding ways to face my fears, right? Well, now I, it's not going to happen overnight, but now I kind of get excited about doing things that I'm fearful of because I know once I face it, how good it feels to get on the other side of it. 
Mm -hmm. Um, the way I faced my fears with speaking was I would, I took like acting courses with no intention of wanting to be an actress in any way, but just to get comfortable of standing in front of an audience. And obviously I took uh, public speaking courses as well, super uncomfortable. But as I did it, I got comfortable with it. And then I was like, oh, this is, this is fine. I mean, actually in college, and this was a funny story, totally by accident, my girlfriend and I had to like take another summer elective to be able to graduate in time. So we took this course called What's So Funny About New York? And I don't know, either they didn't put it, the description properly in the syllabus, or we just didn't read it. I have no idea. We went in the first day of class. We found out we were in a class on how to be a comedian. We had no clue. I was like, what? <laughs> and she was like this professional figure skater and so she wasn't like a speaker and we looked at each other and like the way this got like our we're like well it's too late to drop out of the class because of our schedules so we literally the very first day in class they made us stand in front of the whole class and like tell talk about our story and they were saying how like comedians you're just telling your story but your, you know, your tone of voice, your eye connection, your hand movement, stuff like that, your delivery, that's what makes it funny. Mm-hmm. And so there was like a, that was, God, awful, uncomfortable. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> we both survived. Like we did it. Our final was we had to do a freaking skit at the New York Comedy Club and we survived. <laughs> wow. And now I got a great story out of it. But, you know, it's just, it it's taking action because a lot of us read, read, read. Like, like I said, I, in my early years, I read so many books, but you have to take action and be, not be afraid to go back and heal because the healing process is painful. It really is. And like, I actually wrote a whole book and I talk about this, like I will never publish it. And people are like, oh, why? Why wouldn't you publish it? I said, because it's so deep and personal. And it talks about a lot of pain. And the people that cause me a lot of this pain are alive. And I just don't want to hurt them. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't feel like I need it. And I kind of use it as like my therapy in a way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that uh, I get pushed all the time. No, 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 you should. You can help people. I'm like, you know what? I can help people in other ways. Like for me personally, I just don't want to because- I don't want to hurt other people. Like I may help people, but I'm going to hurt people too. Mm-hmm. So I do everything I can to, um, you know, be a good person. And the way I start my day, you said like, you know, well, how do you start? How do you start with like emotional intelligence? Something like gratitude. Gratitude is part of emotional intelligence. Literally before I get out of bed every day. Minimally, I thank the Lord for like three things. I'm gracious for one, two, three usually goes off to like 10 because I'm like, and this and this and this, but I also end my day the same way. I always end being very gracious for what I have. Um, I like to like, let people know that I care about them, you know, because there's not, unfortunately I may have, I may know a lot of people. I have a lot of acquaintances, but it's a very small percentage of them that are actually, I consider friends and that are loyal and want good for me. And it's not to say that the other people are bad, um, but they just haven't gotten to that point yet, you know, hundred percent. and it's, but they can get there and, and, and I'll be here for them, you know, once they're at that point, but I'm very open in letting people that I know, Hey, I care about you. I appreciate you. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. I'm a very giving person in that nature. And I'm, it, if I can help somebody, I, I'm there for you hundred percent. It's funny. I know because that culture really isn't even like culturally 
Like, it's just not, I don't know. It's like, we're almost perceived as weak. If we tell people we love them, we're thankful for them because like I started that and I'm going to tell you, you know, when I was full-time on the road and everything like that was not, we didn't, we don't act like that. Right. Like that just was not it. And it took me a while. Um, but I will tell you like with the last three, four years, I'm very much have been like, I really care about you. Thank you. You mean so much to me. I, I freaking love you. I'm not in love with you. I'm in love with my husband, but I love you, you know, as a person, as a human and it, people are like, what? Like, they just don't know how to take it because yeah, like socially we're just, that's just not like what we you know, a lot of people just don't do that. So but when they do, when you do, oh, it makes it them feel, because I know when I get it, it's like, oh my God, like I, like I just posted it in my stories when I was, I found the book, my one friend had written and yeah, I don't know if you read it, but inside he wrote like Inez to my friend, uh, the most uh, positive and inspirational person I know, you know, my friend Inez. And, you know, he's, he's a celebrity and but he's one of those people that is just, he's real. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's just, he gets it. And I attribute his his success to that because he's got great people skills. And if he cares about you, he'll let you know. If you did something, like if he appreciates you, he'll let you know. And I think we lack that. Yes. We really lack that as a society. And it's not, like emotional intelligence is considered a soft skill set, right? So people hear soft and they put a negative connotation to it right away. But no, like hard skill sets on learning how to operate machinery or learning how to like run a cash register in, in a job, anybody can learn that. It's a hard skill set. Mm-hmm. When you learn the soft skill set, which is it, it can be hard. It can be easy. Depends on how you look at it. You're going to be so much more successful because I used to work in a corporate world in New York when I worked for Calvin Klein. That was horrible. Like there was zero emotional intelligence. There was like, do as I say, all we care about is that you meet your sales numbers. That's it. Every Tuesday was our sales call with the entire region of the, or the whole country rather. And if you weren't hitting your quarterly numbers at that moment, the vice president is dropping the F-bomb on you and belittling you in front of the entire freaking staff. And it was, and I thought to myself, well, why do I want to do good for you? Like, that's how you treat me? Instead of saying, listen, hey, your numbers are low, is what's going on? What can I do to help you get those numbers up? Is there something, you know, with your clients? Is it something that we're not meeting on our end? It's like, they didn't care. They just like, no, all we care is about the number. They didn't care as to why your number was low. Like if my vice president or my manager came up to me like, listen, hey, this is, let's work on this. We could work on this together to get to where we need to be. I'm much more inclined to like want to do well for them. But when you're belittling me and telling me I'm an effing idiot, <laughs> I'm really like, like, screw you. You know, go find someone else for this job. I'm not doing it. True. A lot of a lot of people listening to that to this mm-hmm. right now can relate to that fully. Yeah. Now, Inez, I'm I'm gonna take you back because okay. you, you made a you said something that I feel like um because we have a lot of women who listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. You said something and you said, you know, um back before you met your husband and yeah. and started your healing process like deeply yeah you dated a lot of men but you were you found yourself chasing men yeah. and you were like girl what is wrong with you right yeah, yeah but i just feel like it's so relatable because 
if you have zero self-worth, yeah, this is what we do because, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like from my own experience, it's because I'm like, love me, love me, love me, because I don't love me. So I need you to love me. Mm-hmm. Please love me. And they're, and they're not like, they're just not even in the realm. And so it becomes like this, yeah, chasing game. And then they don't want anything to do with you because you have the needy energy. And so they're running away yeah. from you and you're like, oh my God, I'm a piece of shit. Love me. You know? So anyways, uh, well, you- yeah, then they, they need a booty call and they're really nice to you and sweet. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, he does love me. <laughs> you're getting, and you, you forget every other bad thing he's done to you and you go back. And it's funny because I was just talking to our friend William about this. Mm-hmm. Um, like he stirred my memory because prom came up and my prom date, which was um, after, this wasn't the guy, but it kind of like led from one thing after him, after um, Joey's father, I dated another guy and he was a singer and he was famous and people knew. And I was like, thank God, like Instagram and cell phones did not exist then because I don't, don't want any. I'm so happy none yeah. of this relationship is anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I thought I was like, oh my God, I'm so in love with him. You know, and he was like really sweet in the beginning, naturally. Um, till you know, he got me where he wanted me. Like they're there's unfortunately and men, it's not just men, it's women too. They're they're good manipulators to get what they want. And we were like on again, off again for five years because wow. he was like cheating on me all over the freaking country as he's touring. But he would come back, but I just want. I just wanted, I loved the feeling of when things were good and he knew that. So it's like anytime he wanted me back, he would just turn that back on mm-hmm. and I would just accept it because I love, even though like in the back of my mind, I knew it wasn't real, right, but right. Because I, I had such low self-worth and low self-esteem. I allowed myself to do that. Like it disgusts me. Like, I wish I could like train every young woman, you know, your self-worth is so important. Like just give yourself up freely. Like, you know, hire, make your standards high. Like even my two boys, I mean, I never, I am, I'm a boy mom. Both of them have high standards for their girls. Like my son's got an incredible, credible wife. They just got married last year. He, He, I could not have picked a better woman for him. And I'm really grateful for that and Mateo hasn't dated yet but when he does like he talks about like his standards are high like you know this is what he expects because he knows what he knows what his worth is and he's willing to give mm-hmm. so yeah going through those you know it's it's embarrassing that I went through so many of those toxic relationships it really is um I think it's relatable though, to be it's honest. I think we've all been there. Yeah. You know, but in the same sense, it's like, you know what? It also made me who I am today, brought me to who I yes. am because I chose to heal and I, I chose to move forward. But um, I was just on another podcast and she asked me, like, when did this like awakening happen? Like truly, like I've always ha- was in the process. She goes, but when did it really, really like sit- where you changed. And I told her 40, her, she almost, her mouth like dropped. She's like, why? Like you were 40. I'm like, yeah, because it was then that I really decided enough's enough. Like, this is who I, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to heal. I'm, I'm going to know what my, what got you to that point? 
What what got you to the point? I just got tired of just being insecure. Like I, I hate that feeling. Um, like I would put on a great show where people look at me like, wow, she's like the perfect wife. She's the perfect mother because you know our home is in great order. Lou and I work great as a team, you know, but we were still having these like petty fights over the most stupid crap. And they were too, they were recurring too often. And I didn't want to live like that. I know he didn't want to live like that. Um, we would hide it from our kids, but clearly, you know, you could pick up energy, whether or not we fought in from the kids, they knew what was going on because they could feel the energy. And that's not the life I wanted. I'm like, I'm worth so much more. My family's worth so much more. And I want my kids to know how to have to have a healthy relationship with themselves mm-hmm. more so, so they could be healthy for their partners. Mm-hmm. And, and so that just, you just, from that point, you were like, yeah, this is it. This is it. Like, and I'm like, and enough with just wanting to change. Like, no, this is like, I sought out, like, you know, like I said, with my mentor with emotional intelligence, like I sought out what to do, mm-hmm. like, because you can't just say you want to do it and not have a plan. Okay. I needed a plan, mm-hmm. you know, whether it was like reading, uh, meditating, I, I started walking regularly, you know, getting fresh air and just finding other people that were on the same journey and knowing that it, it it's not going to happen overnight, but you know what? Like I live by that 1% rule, just be 1% better every day. And it really adds up. Because time goes by quickly, you know. Yeah. I mean, it was 10 years ago, I'm 50 now. So I was like, whoa, that was fast. But I'm a totally different person. I mean, even my friends, like if you look at the picture of my 40th birthday bash, which was this huge thing that my husband did for me, um, those people are not in my life anymore. And is it sad? Not really. Because you know what? They were they were good for that time period. Yeah, yeah of who I was at that point. I'm a different person now. I don't, they may or may not be different people now. I don't know. I don't hang out with them anymore, but um, it's all part of that growth process. And And I think it's important to highlight that it's okay. Yeah. That that happened because Mm -hmm. so many of us are like, no, like I'm such a bad person if I outgrow or I don't hang out with or whatever. And it's like, no, that's, you're not bad. Well, what you say is so true. I see so many like women that are close to me saying exactly what you said they look at at first they look at me and they're like Inez oh how can you just cut people out I'm like I don't know I don't look at as cutting anybody out unless I mean yeah there's been a couple that did like really horrific things to me so yes I did cut them out for sure they'll never step back in my life but there's other people I just kind of outgrew and I kind of just naturally distanced myself but I see so many women and it infuriates me where they're still to this day hanging out with other women that are passive aggressive, that are mean to them. I see them belittle them, belittle their family, but they're like, but I've known them for so many years and I feel bad, you know, not to hang out with them or, oh, I love them. And I'll point blank ask, well, what do you love about them? Well, there, there's good parts. I'm like, all right, but there's the bad parts like I see and it's right. Why are you allowing people to treat you like that? It's not worth it. No, like I, nobody treats me bad anymore. And if they do, then they're gone. I just will not allow it. And I'm totally, totally today comfortable with it because I've been on that other side and that's not, I'm not going back there and I'm, I'm happy. 
I just think that's so beautiful. And for the listeners, I just really hope you really let that sink in because that is such um, self-love <laughs> and, you know, and, and really protecting your energy. And yeah. um, it's, it's important. It's very important. And it's something that we all take for granted. And I, I myself mm-hmm. take this like, oh, they don't really impact me. Like, you know, oh, if I don't spend every day with them, then it's really not impacting me. Or if I don't talk to them every day and it's like, no, the energy's still there. Yeah. They're texting me. I'm, you know, I feel obligated to see them. And when I'm with them, I eat a bunch of shit. I talk like (laughs) shit, like, you know, it's just all this stuff. And it's like, no, it is negatively impacting you. So you, you do have to cut those ties. Inez, what are you up to nowadays? Tell me what's going on with you (laughs) lately. Gosh. So, um, I, I call it my, another growth period of my life because right now my Latea, who, you know, he is off to college next year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm very, people ask me like, oh my God, you're going to be an empty nester. Are you sad? I'm like, not, no. And it, and I'm not, that's not a negative thing. I'm yeah. Like my life is going to be changing drastically. However, this is, it's time. It's time for my son to move on because my husband and I have raised him, you know, and now he's going to take all the tools and skill sets that he has and become his own man. So it's really exciting to see that because I've already went through it once with Joey and seeing how successful he is, successful job, successful marriage, successful life, successful man. You know, he is a stand-up guy. So it's really exciting to see that. Um, so in the meantime, I'm spending as much time as I can with my son. Um, we, as you can see my stories, we go to basketball games all the time. We know whenever he's free, we travel a lot together. We're going to Alaska this summer together, um, with friends as well. Um, but in addition to that, like me more on a career standpoint, I'm also excited to get my life back to where I want. And you know what, again, I'm 50. So by the time he goes off to college, I'll be like 51. (laughs) And it's, we live in such an amazing time that we could start, restart, pause, whatever our careers. Like I I could start a brand new career right now. If I want, Um, I'm going to continue. Like right now I have a couple um, smaller speaking engagements in line. I have a project, which you know about, and I can't tell. (laughs) Mm -hmm. After March, I can tell you what it is. (laughs) I'm working on that. Um, for my event. So I have an event in my home that I had the last three years. I'm already working on year four is called core women's network. And it's an event that I fund and that I host at my home as a way of giving back to the community, to women that I know, because it's not just my community. I have women that come from all over to this event. It, it is a private event by invitation only. But what I do is I recognize a strong female leader and leader meaning you could be a housewife and still be a leader um to come and speak and I invite 50 women because I, I wanted I've been to a lot of women's events and I love them however again I'm really focusing on that relationship growing part and when you go to those really big events where you have hundreds of women you tend to just kind of like stay with your little circle right the people that you know at your table mm-hmm. and you don't really go navigate out there to meet other people what I do at my event is I keep it at 50. So it's it's big, but it's also small enough that you can still network. Mm-hmm. And the common theme or commonality that all these women have is me. Most of them do not know each other, mm-hmm. um, but they know me. So it's like a good icebreaker. Hey, how do you know Inez? And then build it from there. 
Many of them are entrepreneurs. Um, they are, they work for nonprofits. They're leaders in the community. They're leaders in education. And it's a really great mix of women. And I encourage them to get to know each other, to build relationships, to support each other's businesses, because there's so many of them. And it's an event that I is very near to and dear to my heart. The first year was kind of like, ah, oh, let me test this out. You know what? The first year was 2020 because it was COVID. Mm -hmm. um, people were tired of being locked up. It was mm -hmm. the summertime. I had it in my backyard outside. Mm -hmm. All the girls came. They were so excited to be able to dress up, wear makeup, you know, be out and about again. And it was so successful that that's why I continued it. Mm -hmm. And it's it's getting bigger. Like last year, we actually had some, you know, small businesses sponsor it, which is exciting. Right. And um, this year, we got some cool things in the works. <laughs> and it's exciting. So I'll do that. Um, I'm continuing writing for Millennium Magazine, which is a great opportunity because I really love it. My favorite thing about it is networking, mm -hmm. meeting people I don't get to normally meet every day, hearing their stories and building that trust factor where they trust me to share their stories. Mm. Um, I don't write about gossip. I don't write about negative stuff. I make it very clear that my angle is that I'm just writing about you, how to get to know you. Granted, many of these are celebrities, but I'd like to focus on how they're using their platform to give back to society, to do something good with it. Um, my most recent one was on Dolores Catania, who she's a, a housewife, real housewife of New Jersey. Right. You know, I personally never watched the show. So I was kind of like skeptical about going into this. However, Dolores and I do have mutual friends and they're everybody was telling me, you'll love her, you'll love her. I met this woman and wow, she was an incredible woman. Talk about like giving and awareness. Again, emotional intelligence, another aspect of his being self-aware and aware of others. She held this so well. I mean, we spent the whole day with her in New York, you know, doing makeup, shooting, photo shoots, video interviews, regular interview with me for the magazine. She was like doing stories for her Instagram and told her like PR people, make sure you go through and hit and tag every single person that's in this room like she wasn't it wasn't all about her right right yeah and I I love that about her and after I wrote the story I was like it, it's also a little bit jarring like when you write about somebody else right I'm like ooh, are they gonna are they gonna like it when they read it and she actually called me and said you know what I did I love what you wrote she's like that was beautiful you're so talented and I was like Whoa. <laughs> that's amazing Yes, I was really happy to hear that. Um, I'm interviewing, which I told you, Bedros um, Kulian, which is really exciting. On um, different type of celeb, right? Uh, I was really mm -hmm. happy that my publisher agreed to, uh, for me to do this interview because he has this great story, you know, about what's going on in the world today. Right. And I want I want to get more of that out too. Mm -hmm. I, want to, I want to get more of like you know we need to be held accountable for our own actions. You know, we need to be for, and, and if you stay silent, you're part of the problem too. And it all starts with us. And I think that's really important. And, and it's a great, I'm going to bring Mateo with me to this interview too, because I think it'll be cool for him to hear Beatrix's story. You know, the theme that I, you know, I know that obviously you're an emotional intelligence expert, but really what come up for me, and I just want to highlight is like, it doesn't matter what you've been through. It also doesn't matter where you are right now, how old you are. Like, I love that you just said, you know, I'm going to be 51 and hell, I could start a brand new career. And I just, I think that's important because anybody who's listening, that's struggling, 
who, you know, you might not be in the spot where you really want to be. Just know, like you can pivot, you can start over. It's not, you're, it's not too late, but we get, we do this thing where like, I'm too old. I'm too fat. I'm too stuck. I'm too whatever to change. And that's just the story you're making up. So Inez, I would love, um, as we conclude this episode, I would love it if you would just give some advice to the person who is feeling that way. Like they just feel like they're stuck. They feel like they're the too old to whatever. (laughs) What would you tell them? Uh, Anything is possible. If you want it, you you got, listen, I have a strong foundation, uh, whether, you know, in your faith, in be cognizant of who you are allowing into your life, into your, um, your mind, what you're reading, what you're watching, what you're listening to. Um, you know, in my twenties, I felt that I could do nothing with my life. You know, I was a single mom. I was a college dropout. I was on welfare. I mean, being 20 years old thinking, oh my God, I can't do it. I can't do anything. I'm worthless. I have no self-worth. Nobody wants me. I'm not loved. That all changes when you start believing in yourself Mm -hmm. and it's possible. Like now being 50 years old, I am happier than I've ever been in my life and I'm stronger. And I know that I can do whatever I want. Listen, you don't have to even go to formal school, formal training. I mean, there's so many things I learned on YouTube. I fixed my own freaking washing machine because they try to rip me off. <laughs> I went on YouTube and figured out how to fix it myself. You right. know, there's there's so many skill sets that you can learn right online. But just learn to like forgive others too. Don't let the traumas of your past, you know, hold you back. Because again, like I said, I didn't completely learn how to heal from that. And and it's still, I'm still not a hundred percent, but I'm like 90%, but I didn't hit that 90% until I was 40. Okay. So if you're like 50 and younger, it's ridiculous to think that you can't change. You can, because I've seen people like in their sixties and their seventies change. One of my closest friends is 75 and my God, she's like a little powerhouse woman. And because she just has that mindset that I can do it, but also takes action every day to bring good into her life. And that's why she's successful. Amazing. And as where can the people find you on the socials? Um, I'm only on Instagram. Uh, you can find me on my name uh, at Inez, I-N-E-Z underscore Barbario. Or if you want to see my just for fun page, <laughs> it's Positano Dreamer. Uh, Positano because that's somewhere I visit in Italy every summer, which is like my second home. And I've developed a lot of amazing friends who are now family there. And then of course, just my website, which is my name, um, InezBarbario.com. And we'll have it all in the show notes, you guys. So go check out Inez. You have got to follow her on Instagram. I love checking your stories. I love everything that you post. Extremely inspirational to me. Loved having you on here. Thank you so much for taking the time, Inez. And we're going to do it again. We're going to have you back. I promise. Our trio, we got to do. We are. We are. We are having Navy Seal William Bronham. You <laughs> and me. We are having. We are doing that for sure. We got to. Somebody go send this to William so he knows that he's coming on this with us soon. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Inez, and thank you, everybody. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the She's an Asset podcast. If you wouldn't mind. Could you please share this out? The only way we grow and I can get this out to as many people as possible is with your help. So we're kind of in this together. And the good thing is, is I know you have my back. 
So uh, I want to say thank you and ask for you to share the show. And if we're not hanging out in the socials, I hope that you'll come and hang out with me. I'm Autumn Clifford pretty much everywhere. Thank you so much. See you next time.